Talk to me about kind of some of the nerves and some of the feelings that it took to like make that step. I think it's been the biggest thing that I've learned along the way. Owning something that's a brick and mortar is just a completely different ball game. Just your overhead and the investment and there's so much that goes into it. We've learned a ton along the way. You can't be risk adverse. That's definitely when people talk to me about, oh, I think we want to start a venue or any business where you're, especially you have a brick and mortar. You just have to be willing to jump in both feet and kind of go for it. We document and share best practices around owning, operating, and managing world-class wedding venues. Becky, thank you so much for joining me today on the Venue RX podcast. Yes, I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Well, I'm really excited to learn more about you, about your venue. Um, and this is actually the Venue RX. I, I love doing these shows and, and doing these podcast episodes, but I think the venue owner series has a special place in my heart because you know we get to talk to people who are in the trenches, who are, who are doing the thing, you know. And um, so I I love this. And you're actually in your venue now, correct? And yes, I'm at the venue right now. I'm in our client suite right now. I love it. I love it. Before we get into talking about the venue, because we'll you know I want to hear all about it and just we'll we'll need to describe it for our, our listeners on podcast. Um, tell me a little bit about you, how you got into this industry. Yeah. So I originally became part of the wedding industry as a photographer. Um, I was a photographer for 15 years, um, went to photography school, started shooting weddings, loved it, um, decided probably halfway through my photography career that I was like, gosh, I just like love the venue side of things. And I think that'll be like my one day dream. It was kind of the goal eventually. Um, when my husband and I got married in 2017, we got married at a really industrial downtown space in Denver, Colorado. And um, shortly after we got married, we moved to Colorado Springs and we just like saw a huge gap in the market. A lot of barns in Colorado, if you are familiar with Colorado at all, there's lots of barn venues, lots of kind of more rustic types. So there's not a lot of the more modern feel. So we were like, gosh, there's just such a, a gap. And so we we're like, I think the one day dream is going to be a right now dream. So we just had to kind of go for it. But yeah, lots of roots in the industry, lots of years of seeing lots of different venues and different things and uh, jumped in uh, in 2019 is when we officially signed the lease on the building we're in now. Wow. I, I love how you said a one day dream is going to be a right now dream. That's <laughs> very cool. Very cool. Was that scary? Was it scary for you going and just contemplating the fact? Because like with a photography business, it's pretty... Uh, light asset wise, like you've got your yes. camera, you know, you've got some money invested with for sure, but yeah, your camera and you know, your gear, your lenses, of course, which are pretty expensive. Speaking of which Canon or Sony? Canon. Canon. Okay. All right. Well, we're shooting on a Sony. <laughs> so, uh, I'm sure I'll make some enemies that way, but it's okay. <laughs> um, but was it, was it a scary move for you guys to take on you know, what probably was a multi-million dollar investment. And like, was that, talk to me about kind of some of the nerves and some of the feelings that it took to like make that step. Yeah. Yeah. That I think has been the biggest thing that I've learned along the way, having been a business owner, really like out the gate, 18 years old, started my photography business. Haven't worked for a ton of other people here and there I have, but that was probably the thing we've learned the most of like, wow, like owning something that's a brick and mortar is just a completely different ball game just your overhead and the investment. And there's so much that goes into it. We've learned a ton along the way. Um, but yeah, it was definitely a scary, like, oh gosh, you can't be risk adverse. That's definitely when people talk to me about, oh, I think we want to start a venue or any business 
where you're, especially you have a brick and mortar, you just have to be willing to jump in both feet and kind of go for it. Well, I'm so excited to talk to you about that because that's literally what this show series is about. Like, you know, helping venue owners, people who hope to own venues one day, kind of see around some of those corners that, you know, like you just said, you don't know until you've experienced it. And (laughs) so tell me, describe the venue for me. What, What is it like? Yeah, so we are downtown Colorado Springs. Um, we're right in the heart of downtown. Uh, so we are an urban industrial venue. We're 6,000 square feet. Um, we're open space, polished concrete floors, um, open metal beams, white walls, kind of a blank slate, um, if you will, where people can come in and really make uh, the space their own. Um We've hosted all types of events, um, all types of weddings. Really, people can come in and do anything they want, but we definitely seem to attract the couples that kind of want something that's not as traditional. Um, We do both ceremony and receptions here. Uh, We're a flip space, um, so we flip ceremony to reception. Um, We can host up to 200 in our space. Um, So yeah, it's a fun, it's fun blank slate. We we try to kind of keep it blank and let people come in and do what they want. What about hours for the venue? What's the access time like? Yeah, so we give our couples 10 hours. So they can start that really anytime they want as early. We say as early as 8 a.m. And then we go as late as midnight on the weekend. So they can kind of shift that time block uh, to whenever works best for their event. Very cool. Very cool. I love the blank canvas style. There's actually um, here in San Diego, there is a, a company that does all these different venues and, and the actual venue I'm talking about is Brick, right? And it's this just big oh, yeah. building um, and it's in the craziest location right near the airport with these big, you know, airplanes flying over, but it's such a cool venue and people use it all the time. And yeah, similar kind of blank canvas style. Yeah, I've, I've looked at Brick. I think they actually own a venue in Denver as well, that same company. So we've actually talked to the owners of, the, of that that group of venues. So Very cool. We're going to have to talk about that after we get off the show. <laughs> I love it. I'm so excited. I I um, I love the name, Clay. I noticed it says Clay yes. Venues. Are you considering maybe opening more venues one day? Yeah, so that's the dream. We're, I'm a big dreamer. My husband is kind of the one that keeps me from like, dreaming so big that we don't focus on what we're doing right now. He's the the brains behind the operation. And I'm the the dreamer. Um, but yes, it's clay and use plural because the dream is that we will have multiple eventually that this is just kind of our first step um, in the venue world. So uh, we have some big dreams for hopefully having some land that has a view of Pikes Peak here in Colorado Springs and do some some big, a big modern venue out on some land. So. And the name is so signature. I feel like you guys will be really kind of like sink into that branding. And and I love it. I'm excited to see you guys grow up. Talk to me about the process of, you know, getting, actually getting into the venue. What about finding the venue? How long did it take you from kind of like dream, like the dream is right now, let's do this to actually finding the building and making an offer? Yeah. So uh, like I said, we got married in 2017 and then we signed our lease in 2019. So it was about two years um, from when we were like, okay, let's do this to signing a lease. Um, and was lots of different ways to own a venue you can buy. We looked for a while about buying. With having a downtown meeting, we wanted to be in what's called our downtown loop of Colorado Springs. It's a very small area. 
Um, there's not a lot for sale. So leasing was our best um, option. Uh, so we looked for about two years. Um, some of the funny things that came up that kind of really honed in what we were looking for was uh, you have to have a sprinkler system in your building. And so we pretty much told our realtor, like, we will only look at buildings that already have a sprinkler system. <laughs> so just some funny things like that that you don't think about when you're just dreaming. Um, so yeah, it was, a, it was a good two-year process to find really something that we knew would work. And as a photographer, there were certain things that it had to have good light. It had to have certain things that I wanted to make sure that were there. What did you do in the meantime? This is a question I don't ask very many people, but I'm curious, kind of, you knew that you wanted to do it and then you knew you were on this journey. What did you and your, your husband do in the meantime? Yeah, so my husband actually still has a full-time job. He works at a hospital here in town um, and I was still shooting weddings at the time. So we kind of just kept with our normal, normal jobs um, and he still works for the hospital to support our family. Our The venue, I mean, thankfully is doing really well. We're only in gosh, our third year now. And I mean, we signed our lease in 2019. So everyone knows what very quickly followed 2019. It was a very interesting year to open a venue. Um, so the venue is really supporting itself well now, but still hasn't really supported our family quite yet. So we're getting there. Fair. And I'm really curious, just kind of the impact of COVID, because I talked to so many venue owners that either started right after COVID, they started right before COVID and what a crazy time for our industry, right? Like, yes, totally. Um, but yeah, you know, what did that walk me through what you guys, you know, were experiencing during that time? Cause you're brand new. I mean, you've waited this time, you finally are in the space and now it's like, yeah, it was pretty crazy. We finished construction in July of 2020. Um, so we were under, I think the first round of lockdowns in Colorado where we couldn't do anything. So we learned my favorite word that year was we're just going to pivot and we're going to figure out a different way to do things. So as a photographer, we rented our space out as a studio. No one was working. So people were wanting to do creative things. We did it. We tried to use it for anything we possibly could. (laughs) Um, but yeah, it was, it was a very scary, if I'm being very honest, um, it was, it was scary because we had nothing behind us. So we didn't have a lot of bookings. Um, we didn't have a lot floating us. So, uh, we personally floated it for probably pretty much a year to keep our doors open. And thankfully we're, we still have them open. And, and that is something that I think I've heard come up time and time again with venue owners, like leave yourself a little bit of padding because even if it's not COVID, you know, even if it's something else. So in retrospect, you know, looking back and maybe as you do play number two, number three, number four, right? What sort of padding are you going to give yourself financially just to weather any possible storms? Yeah. Yeah. I think that now we safely always want to have at least six months of overhead in just our operating account. Um, That's really important to us to make sure we have that. Um, we have set up where we have multiple bank accounts where we can like kind of move things around, but we always have that operating account where we have six months of, of money so that we can, can keep things going, especially when you're starting out too, because you have so many unknown expenses that you just don't think about. We're like, Oh gosh, like I didn't think about how much it would cost to like, make sure our sidewalks are plowed in the winter and things like that. Um, so especially when you're starting out, not knowing all those expenses that will pop up. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I was talking to a venue owner yesterday who uh, was saying that you know you should have twenty percent of your overall budget stashed away, 
And she experienced the same kind of thing, uh, just not only through COVID, but also like little stuff. Like I don't think they had fire sprinklers already installed. So they had, yeah. you know, some surprise expenses. And to your point, even yeah. regionally, yeah, plowing the sidewalk, like yes. you would necessarily think of that. Um, what well, other surprise expenses that came up kind of in the, in the building phase of this? Um, let's see. I mean, it kind of depends when you're thinking through if you're going to lease or build. So our expenses are probably a little different than someone who's going to build from the ground up. That's kind of what we're starting to look at. We're starting to look at land to build one day. That's a very different experience than what you do when you lease. Cause when you're leasing, you're using someone else's property. So they will do, um, they'll pay your landlord should pay for some of it. So we tried really hard to be as frugal as possible. Um, we had our landlord pay, they'll usually pay for like bathrooms, things like that, that are going to stay permanently, even if you were to leave the space. Um, and then we paid for anything that was going to, um, like our client suite, those walls, things like that, that went into it. Um, so if you're leasing, really making sure you have a good contract with your, your landlord that they're going to do a lot of those improvements as well and pay for some of that. Do you have any advice for people as far as terms of the lease? Like, is it better to do a way longer lease or a shorter lease? Like, how'd you decide that? Yeah, I think a lot of it has to do with um, where you're located. So for us downtown, most places are going to have you sign a five-year lease um, to initially. With, you can sign that you get the first right to resign. That was a big thing that we wanted to make sure was in our lease. Um, our realtor made sure that we were the first ones with a venue we're booking out and everything revolves around our aesthetic. We can't just like pick up and move like maybe a restaurant would or a boutique. You can't just move locations. So um, that was a big thing to us that we at least had the first right to re-sign once our lease was up. Um, so yeah, I think it will probably depend on your landlord or where you're located, how long it is. Um, but we signed a five-year lease with the first right to re-sign. Mm, it definitely seems like with a venue, like you mentioned, even with a restaurant, you're kind of going for the ambiance, but you're really going for the food with the other services, but yeah, with a venue, I mean, you're buying the aesthetic quality of the space that you toured. hundred percent. Right. Exactly. Yes. You mentioned a realtor. Were there any other key people that you had kind of on your team who helped you through the initial process? Yeah. A big one was our realtor having somebody who knows, um, just your area is huge when you're looking at buying or renting something, especially, older buildings. We're in a really old building. It's from the forties. Uh, just like them kind of knowing what to look for. Um, that was huge. We had someone who was kind of advising us financially of just like, Hey, here's how we should use your money. Um, and then just a lot of other business owners in town, um, just kind of having them advise us on what they've done. Um, and then depending again on where you're at, we're in a downtown area. So we have something called the downtown partnership. Um, which is a basically a group that really helps new businesses get into the city, um, kind of get their feet wet with permits and knowing what to do. And they kind of will advocate for you. So that was a big one for us is getting involved in some of those city, those city groups. That's huge because then you can tap into that network of owners that maybe have seen some of the things before and kind of can, again, allow you even maybe some of the more regional stuff, maybe not specific wedding stuff, but like, yes. like, business, owning a business in the area. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. A huge one that's like super random that you'd probably not think of is we're in a downtown area. So we've had some like homeless issues Yeah, and it's a huge thing that we like reached out to the downtown partnership and they're like, Hey, this is how we can help handle that. 
because being downtown, it's very different than being out on land 30 minutes outside of town. Uh, so we'd have some just different challenges that you wouldn't, that you have here being in a city. Yeah, a hundred percent. I remember with brick, well, not so much with brick, but there were some other venues in San Diego that we worked with, uh, cause we did staffing before we, we managed venues. Okay. It was, it was insane. The difference when we would go to like Palm Springs versus downtown San Diego versus downtown LA in the arts district. I mean, you literally have someone like doing hard drugs right outside of a $100,000, $200,000 wedding in a yes. gorgeous space. It was like just insane. And those are things you don't think about 100%. Yeah. Yep. For sure. Help me kind of take me. So as we're kind of going through this timeline, paint the picture for me how you decided about the name, some of the marketing, like when did you start marketing? I know you're obviously going through COVID during this time too and doing renovations. It's just like such a crazy time. Yeah. Help, you know, take me through some of that. How did you decide on the marketing, the name? Um, were there tools that you use? Any anything you're willing to share? Yeah. So um being a photographer, I was big on aesthetics and and what I wanted to kind of put out there to the world. The name was really hard for us. We toyed around with names for a really long time. Um Clay is actually my husband's grandfather's name. Um, and he just left a really lasting impact on our family and just left a legacy that was really important that we wanted to carry on what he just did in his life. And so that was when we finally settled on Clay. My son's name is also Clayton. And so he thinks the venue is his. <laughs> He's five. So, How old is he? Um, so that's where the name came from. How old is he? Um, he's five. Okay. Oh my gosh. That's so cool. I, I've got some kids that are in that, in that age range and yeah, it's, it's funny how everything you do, you know, they're, they're in it. You, they hear you talking about it, especially yeah. as a, as a center. Um, I, I love that. Oh yes. You know, it's interesting. I know there's some, uh, familial and kind of like really deep, important significance for your family with the name that I immediately thought play like like putty, like being able to mold and transform yes. the space. So that's such a cool, like, yep. maybe dual imagery for you guys. I love that. Yeah. And we've used, we've used that word a lot. We've used moldable in some of our like marketing on our website of like, it's a space that you can, can mold to be, to be your own. So yeah, it has worked dually for sure. That's so neat. That's so neat. About marketing and, and branding, as you're putting together packages and as you're kind of deciding what you want to, what you want your offering to be hours and things like that, um, you obviously had plenty of exposure to the industry through your work. What were some things that you knew going into it? We have to have this right away. Yeah. Yeah. I think we started out like super big. Like we wanted to give like our couples the whole world. Um, we started out with no staff either. And I think we learned really fast that like we were going to burn out really quickly if we just lived here all the time and we're here. We like started out thinking like, oh, we're going to give our couples 24 hour rentals. Like, so they don't have to like worry about cleaning up and we're going to do all the cleaning and we're going to do all the setup and we're going to do all these things and just learned really quickly. Like, oh gosh, like there's like, we need some systems and processes to make sure that this runs well for us as business owners and for our couples that they can see like, okay, this, they have it figured out. It has a good plan um, and not be, not feel like we're having to just give them the world easily. <laughs> so um, I think probably the biggest thing for us was 
kind of honing in our hours of what we allowed couples to be here for, um, what we required as far as like staffing coming in. Um, we try to have flexible policies as far as vendors. Um, again, because we attract kind of a, a non-traditional couple. A lot of them want to do like the in and out truck or just different things like that. Um, so we try to to encourage them to have higher full service staffing so that they do their setup and teardown and all that kind of stuff. Um, and yeah, I the packages is was probably one of our harder, harder things. And we have continually edited that to fit um, our life as owners and our family. We are family owned. We just hired our first staff in the last, gosh, three months. So we have kind of done it ourselves um, up until then. So, yeah. Well, you totally, you, you jumped ahead. I always, I like to ask like what the staff is that you start with and then what staff do you have now? Oh, yes. To kind of see that journey. What if, what do you see for your future? Kind of as you see your team evolving and now you said the venue starting to kind of self-sustain and things like that. What are you, um, what are you looking forward to as far as the team goes? Yeah, I would say um, our goal has always been that we don't want to be here at every wedding. Um, I love the leadership aspect of leading a team to like care for our couples well. Like if we care for our team well, they're going to care for our couples well. Um, so that's been a huge thing of for me growing and learning to be a good leader for our staff. Um, so yeah, we started out with no staff. It was just really myself. We, my husband and I, we have three kids. So he would be at home with our kids usually. And I would be here for 14 hour wedding days um, for our first two years. Um, and then we brought on staff um, within the last like three months to uh, start helping, which has been amazing. So yeah, the goal would really be to train them up to kind of, to really care how we care about our couples um, and for them to then uh, be able to take ownership over that. And for us to, we still want to be present at weddings sometimes, but just not all the time, especially with starting, hopefully starting another venue. Yeah. Especially like you say, with starting another venue, you have to be able to duplicate your efforts enough and come up with those systems and processes. Like you said, yeah. I'm curious I've seen a number of different things here in California, as I know you have too, uh, differences between all-inclusive venues and blank campus venues. And I know there are positives and negatives to both, right? There are, you know, it's like all-inclusives are easy because you just pay the number and then it's maybe not as customizable, but right, it's, yeah. it's done. And then there's the, you know, let's get, let's customize everything. But for the venue owner, that obviously builds in some complexity because you're not working with the same vendors every time and things like that. What has your experience been like with A, what your clients are looking for, and then B, just kind of practically living that out at your venue? Yeah, we've really been talking a lot about this, actually. We have a lot of all-inclusives in our area um, that couples tour along with touring us. And so I think they get this taste in their mouth of like, oh, the ease of like signing the dotted line and everything being provided for you. So we do get a lot of couples who ask about that um, to kind of remedy that because I've never really wanted to be an all-inclusive. Um, we have tried really hard to have a very honed in uh, vendor page of like saying, hey, if you don't want to think about it, hey, this is who we recommend. And if you book like these five vendors, this is approximately what you're probably going to spend with them. So we kind of try to give them a pseudo all-inclusive um, to help with that like choice overload of like, I feel like couple brides especially get like 
decision fatigue going into like, oh my gosh, I have to make all these decisions and an all-inclusive just feels easier. Um, So we try to remedy that um, by being kind of in the middle. Um, We are in the process right now of getting a liquor license. Um, So that is going to be one thing that will be included in our packages. So it'll be something that we have that is like an add-on. They'll have to do their liquor through us. Um, And then we also have day of coordinators that they can add on to any package. So we have like a little bit of an all-inclusive vibe, but not fully. We don't provide food, uh, floral, anything like that. How did you do, because you require a planner, correct? We don't actually require one. Um, we highly, highly recommend it. And I would say half of our couples probably end up doing it or adding on ours. We have a lot of like kind of sales funnel emails that we send out throughout their planning process where a lot of the end up adding on our day of coordinator um, because they realize, oh gosh, there's just so much to do. I'm going to have you guys do it for me. Yeah. I, and that resonates so much. We operate five venues and I know exactly what what those things are. Um, when you were considering bringing on someone to help with that planning, how did you go about that process? Were they an employee? Were they a contractor? Did you reach out to the local network? Talk us through that. Yeah. Yeah. So we, for a while, had contracts. We had a couple of girls who would do contracts. Uh, they were planners in town. They would DOC for us. We just really began to see that it it would be better for what we're hoping to do for our couples and the way we want to serve them if we had a little bit more uh, influence over how our day coordinators were doing things. Um, and so we just decided to bring it all in-house and have it all be our own staff. Um, so we have a couple of girls who work part-time hours during the week doing different things, um, but then also function as day of coordinators day of. So uh, we pretty much just put out a um, we're hiring call and uh, interviewed a lot of different people and and just kind of actually none of the girls who worked for us had prior experience in the wedding industry, but had just a lot of the qualities that we looked for in in somebody who's going to take care of our couples. So cool. So cool. I love that. I, I've often said my team knows this, you know, we, in fact, most of our team didn't have any wedding experience coming in before they worked with us. And, mm-hmm. you know, we've got like 60 employees. So, you know, it's pretty insane to think about, but with people, like you said, who have those qualities, those traits that you're looking yeah. for, then you can teach them how to do some of the specific things. Totally. Yeah, Exactly. Uh, when you thought about bringing on systems, so I know you were uh, you talked about the bar, and I want to ask you that about about that in just a second. But as far as systems, things like a CRM system, um, you know, any systems mm-hmm. for marketing, like uh, posting, um, you know, there's Planoly and Later and HubSpot and Hootsuite, all the different you know marketing tools and metrics and data and all that. Um, yeah. Tell me about some of the tools that you use and and maybe the experience you went through getting them. Yeah. So having been in the wedding industry as a photographer, being a photographer based in Santa Barbara for a long time, I had gotten connected with people who started HoneyBook. Um, and so I have, was graciously gifted kind of HoneyBook for life when they were like beta testing it. And so we use HoneyBook for everything. Um, and I was just very used to it, using it for my photography business. Um, it's been a little bit bumpy. I, I think it's a newer program for them on the venue side. It's been a little bit bumpier, but um, we spend lots of time talking to HoneyBook and they're so great helping us kind of figure out things and, and creating new systems that will are being added to their CRM. Uh, but you have to have a CRM. I don't know how venues function without a CRM because 
I lose track so quickly of what's happening with our different couples. It's the best thing to have it all like in the file online. A hundred percent. I agree more. I mean, especially when you have other things going on, you know, your husband has another job, you know, there's kids, there's all these, yeah. and then you have to kind of go focus on the venue. You need to remember those details. What about your Yeah, yeah we love it. Marketing, we don't use a ton. We, I honestly probably need a better system when it comes to like posting and social media. I, I kind of plan out like a week at a time, especially this time of year when we're getting photos back from photographers from weddings where we're wanting to kind of post new things and, and stuff like that. So we, we don't have a great system. If I'm being really honest, we, one of the girls who works for us has a lot of marketing background and she um, does a lot of our like Facebook and Google marketing. Um, but when it comes to Instagram, we kind of just post and just try to show our faces and show the story of wedding days. And um, yeah, that's about all we do on that front. That's awesome. What about uh, different platforms? I know people go one of two ways on that. They either love the platforms or they really dislike them um, or they don't know like if it's working or not. You know, have, what's your experience been like with that? Yeah, I mean, we have definitely steered away from using things like the knot and wedding wire. Um, we use, we spend most of our marketing dollars through Google and Facebook. Um, and that has proven to be most beneficial for us. For Facebook, do you feel like you're, you're seeing the return on that as well? Or is it mostly Google? I've had mixed, I've heard mixed things from venue owners on Facebook. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Facebook, I feel like the generation that's getting married right now is probably not on Facebook. They're mostly on TikTok, probably, which is another one where I'm like, oh, gosh, there's so many things that I feel like I need to to have my hands in when it comes to marketing. Um, Facebook, I feel like our our biggest return that we see is all of our staff tries to kind of have an eye out on some of the local Facebook groups of brides and grooms asking questions of like, hey, I'm looking for a venue. And we just always pop in and say, hey, check out Clay. I think we might be a fit. Um, so it might even be a, a little bit more organic than some of our ads that we do on Facebook. Oh, got it. So you're just using that to kind of create some industry awareness around the venue. Totally. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Let's let's pivot and talk about the bar package because I, I saw that and I know you said you're adding it. Do you, um, I think the bar is an interesting piece because it is so important. I mean, there's, I was just, earlier today talking to uh, Justin from Nuptial Risk and, you know, bar is one of those things where you you got to have it. It's a party, you know, and um, but you can go a lot of different ways. You can let people bring in their own alcohol. It sounds like you guys have gone through a transition or you're going through a transition. Walk me through that. Yeah, um, I would say if I could redo, I would start with a liquor license. It has been a little messy um, having kind of doing it mid season, mid, like after you're already open, it would be easier if we would have just started with it. Um, in Colorado, it's a really uh, archaic method to get your liquor license. I know in other states, it's it can look different, but here it's a long process. You have to hire a lawyer, um, get fingerprinted. You have to like survey your neighborhood and get, petition them. It's just a really long process and it's very expensive. And so we didn't start out with it. We kind of thought, oh, well, this will be something we add on. Uh, knowing what we know now, it would have been just better to start because you have couples who think they're getting one policy and now we're kind of switching things up on them. Great, 
though, great thing we have amazing couples who have been very gracious with us in the process of shifting things. Um, but yeah, adding the bar for us was um, really just, I mean, as venue owners know, your inventory is how many dates you have available. And once they're booked, your inventory is gone. So the only way to then have more income is to start adding on extra services. And so the bar is one that is just kind of, it was a no brainer for us that it's it's something where you're going to break in more income for your business. It's going to be a great revenue stream um, and almost every wedding is going to have it. So um, it was a, a really easy kind of that's the next step for us. What do you do in the case that someone does not want a bar package? Yeah, so we're okay with dry weddings. Um, we have a non-alcoholic package, which we have learned in the process of kind of figuring out our bar packages that non-alcoholic drinks are actually sometimes more expensive than alcoholic beverages. Um, so we just have a different price point depending on what they want. Um, or if they want to have nothing at all, they can just have a water station. Um, we have a couple, but not very many. That makes sense. Uh, I'm I'm interested in the expense, like when you say it's expensive and you're totally right. I mean, California is insane in the process. Uh, Texas, I've heard, is not too bad working with TABC. Yeah. Um, Colorado, what are you dealing with in terms of like the timeline and then a rough idea of cost? Yeah, so it's a three to six month process if everything goes well. Um, and you look, they tell you to estimate that you're going to spend about 12 grand, um, figuring out with your, your, um, all the fees that you pay to the city and the state, uh, you have to pay a petitioning company to again, go out and survey your neighborhood. Cause you have to basically petition them and say, do you want someone to serve alcohol in this neighborhood? Do you want another alcohol provider? Um, and then you have to go stand before a judge. So we actually just heard yesterday that we have our, our hearing at the end of next month. So we um, go stand before a judge. We have to testify on basically our policies of how we're going to safely serve alcohol and how it will not get into the hands of minors. Uh, we all have to be certified. Um, it's basically like tips. I don't know if it's called the same thing in every state, but tips certified. Um, so yeah, there's a lot that has gone into it. Um, but we also have learned a lot of things that I just didn't know about serving alcohol. And it's been very good that we've had to do some of the things we've done. So Becky, you, we've talked about the bar package. We've talked about, you know, some of the different pieces as far as planning goes and your team and things like that. Um, the the last piece I'm interested in is as far as insurance or, you know, other kind of expenses that are associated with getting married at, at your property. You know, what do you do as far as as far as that goes? Yeah, so we um, have an insurance agent who we just basically kind of asked him like, hey, tell us what's going to be the best thing to protect us, protect our couples and our vendors. Um, and so we have an insurance policy, which is about ready to change because obviously liquor changes a lot of that. So we'll have a big liquor policy as well. Um, but then we do require all of our couples to obtain day of event insurance. Um, and so we encourage all of them to go through Event Helper. Um, if any of you guys have worked with Event Helper, they've been great for us. Um, they give you a link and like literally our couples just click it, insert their date and their how many guests they have and it just spits it out straight to us and we love that. <laughs> um, and then we also do require all of our vendors to provide us with a COI. So any vendor that's coming in um, has to give us that. Having been in the industry, I, some vendors put up a fuss about it. Having been a vendor, it just never bothered me. I always had insurance. It's one way that we really encourage our couples like, hey, if your vendors don't have insurance, 
they probably aren't really running a super professional business. So it might be good to look for somebody who can provide provide insurance to to your venue. Yeah. And oftentimes the ven- the vendors that are set up correctly usually have figured out, you know, how to provide good service and they're more professional. And so, yeah, that's that for us, we got insurance really quickly when we started our staffing company and we were the ones providing it to venues and, and couples for a while. And yeah, you're totally right. Being in the industry, you know, if you, you know, if you have it, it's, that's a good thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, last question that I have for you, well, technically I have two questions. So I always ask all our couples at the end or all the guests who come on their favorite part and their least favorite part of venue ownership. So I'm going to ask you that here in a second, but I, w- I wanted to ask, where are you at in terms of, of bookings and where do you want to go? So kind of what is your top speed limit, I guess, before you, you know, open your next venue, um, where, yeah. where are you right now and kind of where do you want to go? Yeah. So, um, our goal has been to double our bookings. Um, we really last year, we kind of considered that our first full year with having opened during COVID 2022 was a more normal year for us. Uh, so last year we did I think 35 events, 35 weddings. Uh, this year we're on track to do 60, um, and next year, our goal is to hit 90. Um, once we hit 120 um, events, not just weddings, because we, since we are in a downtown area, we do a lot of corporate, we do a lot of like luncheon type things, meetings. So we don't just do weddings. We're trying to, when, my, when I say 60 or 90, those are events just hosted in our space. Um, so yeah, once we get 120, that's when we have said, okay, we're going to like really push hard to open another space because at that point you're out of dates really. Yeah. Do you, do you feel like there's room in the market for you to open up another space kind of locally that would be a sister space or would it be the sort of thing where you're opening a different type of venue, you know, out in town, out of town somewhere? Yeah. So, I mean, I would say there probably is space for us to open another uh, more urban, uh, modern industrial space. Um, I don't think it'll be long before we see more popping up. Uh, just with how Colorado Springs is growing. But our ideal is to open something outside of town. Um, there's a little town not too far from Colorado Springs, 20 minute drive uh, that has great views of Pikes Peak. So kind of that outdoor couples in Colorado, they're looking for like, we want mountain views. We want like lodging on site. Those are like the biggest things I see when people are looking for spaces. And so we're kind of trying to to lend to some of those uh, more Colorado feel, but a modern space when we get to to that point. Very cool. Very cool. Becky, thank you so much for coming on. It's been awesome. We're going to wrap up with our final two questions. Uh, what is your least favorite and your most favorite? And we'll end with the, we'll end with one on a high note, your most favorite. Okay. So let's say, I'll say my least favorite. I think my least favorite is we just in the last like two weeks hired someone to clean our space. I have been cleaning it myself. And that was like by far my least favorite thing is to like come in during the week and like deep clean the venue. Uh, (laughs) And my other least favorite, which is super random, is I hate uh, garnishes on drinks like limes because they're like always stuffed to the wall, like really random things that I don't like. Just dried. Oh, oh my goodness. Yes. Yes. I know exactly (laughs) what you're talking about. They get all shriveled. (laughs) Yes. And they're like stuck to the walls. I'm like, how did this even end up here? It's fine. 
Um, and then I would say my favorite part. So we, our motto around here is let's party. Um, and we have a, we partied wall in the back of our space and we bring all of our couples to the back. Um, it's kind of by our prep kitchen where all of our vendors are hanging out, but we bring our couples back and they get to sign our wall. Um, and it's just like a big wall of everyone who's gotten married here. And it's just my favorite part of every event that we get to bring them back. And we take a little Polaroid of them and we send it to them in the mail while they're on their honeymoon. And it's just kind of a fun little memento. That is awesome. That is so cool. I, I love that so much for so many reasons. It's such a great way to set yourself apart and make it really, really memorable. I kind of give them a little memento and also make them feel like they're really part of the space, which I think is huge. Yeah. We tell them all the time. We say, you're, you're officially part of the family. And we've had couples who've like attended weddings and they've come back and they come back and take their picture by their signature. It's really fun. So neat. That's so neat. I love that. Well, Becky, thank you so much for coming on today. This has been a real pleasure getting to know you and hearing about your venue. Everyone go check out uh, Clay Venues. The website's clayvenues.com, correct? Correct. Yeah, that's it. Okay, perfect. And what, what about you guys on Instagram? How, how can people get a hold of you? Yep, we're Clay Venues on Instagram and on Facebook. Very cool. Awesome. Well, thanks thanks again for coming on the show. It's been it's been a lot of fun and I look forward to talking more with you soon. Yeah, thanks so much for having me.